If you're a copywriter, you've probably heard of the term copy deck before, but you might not be 100% sure what it is. So in this episode, Linda and I are going to answer all your copy deck questions and explain how this one document could transform your copywriting business. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School, which is an online hub for all things copywriting with courses, jobs, a community, and more. And with me is my lovely co-host, Belinda Weaver. Hello, everyone. Yes, my name is Belinda Weaver. I am also a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters, and that's where I have also courses and coaching and lots of content to help you become a better copywriter. Well, today... We're going to talk about copywriting, but we're going to talk about something else first because it's rather exciting. Um, you won't obviously be able to see this because you're listening with your ears, but I'm now officially a ginger. You might have noticed that for a long time, Belinda has held the ginger crown, but now <laughs> I've dyed my hair ginger too. Do you like, what do you think of it, Belinda? You should consider- I think I'm on board with the ginge. Welcome. I, I am officially on behalf of the ginger community, Kate. Welcome. Uh- Thank you. Now, the only problem is, is I do hear that ginger people don't have souls. That's something I've heard before. That is absolutely correct. And you will get that outlined in the pack that will be sent to you. Oh, I get, I get a pack. Fantastic. Because yeah. I was wondering how to handle my, my new ginger life. And uh, I'm glad yeah. there's, a, there's a support network out there for me. It, it absolutely is. You also get a bonus bottle of 1000 SPF sunscreen. Fantastic. And instructions like never wear green and things like that. Is that, is that, that a thing? Oh, no, pink. Pink, pink is the colour. Pink, mm. okay. No, pink. See, I would, I would have made that mistake if you hadn't told me. So I'm oh, really grateful. Thank goodness for guidebooks. Oh, gosh. And did you copyright it? Maybe. <laughs> the ginger community get you to do it? Anyway, let's move on. Um, if we were to write a guidebook for ginger people, we would probably use something called a copy deck. Well, I just say segway of all segways. I get a point. So copy decks is something that Belinda and I could talk about in our sleep. And right now I could actually do with a nap, but instead of sleeping, we're going to take you through what copy decks are, how you can use them in your business, what, what's included in them, um, and really what a great asset they are and a great way to present your work to the client in a more professional way. So I'm going to take the first question. We're going to do this kind of Q&A style, but we're asking ourselves the questions. There you go. Go figure. What is a copy deck? So a copy deck is a single document, usually written in Microsoft Word, but we're going to talk about different formats later on in the episode. And this single document contains all the necessary bits and bobs for a given copywriting project. The term copy deck is often used in ad agencies. It's also sometimes referred to as a copy platform. So there you go. Your question next, Belinda. The next question we always get asked is why use a copy deck and the whole idea of using a copy deck. And and as Kate just said, this is the document that you present your copy into the client. The whole point of creating a professional looking copy deck is to make it the single point of reference for everyone working on the project. More often than not, when you hand your copy over to a client, it might get passed around to different people. So it's really important that you have all the information in one place so everyone can get on board with the project. Um, It provides a a template for all the pages and it often provides guidelines on things like tone and structure and consistency. And these things are useful, as I said, because 
you want to remind your client about all the things you talked about, maybe in the copywriting brief to around these things, tone and structure and consistency. And it's an opportunity to kind of show off your expertise a little bit um, because everything's there and you're demonstrating your knowledge and expertise. It's really easy for anyone to pick it up and, and get up to speed with what the copywriting project's about and what they need to know in order to read the copy. That's right. You need to know stuff in order to read copy. (laughs) So um, I'm going to take us through the next question, which is what does a copy deck include? Now, uh, plug, I sell my copy deck template in the Clever Copywriting School. It's my most popular template. I think I've probably sold over a thousand copies of it to copywriters all over the world. Um, And Belinda has her own copy deck, which comes with her fabulous copywriting course plug, which launches again soon. So check that out. So our formats are slightly different, but I think it's worth talking about what they include and why they're different. Because we, you know, probably we should have, we should at some point bloody get them together and make one Uber copy deck. Maybe we can talk about that (laughs) after this. Uh, But then we would be one person then. Yeah. Well, we are. I'm already ginger. It's happening. I'm morphing into you. Yeah. It's happening. Um, okay. So I'm sure every writer uses a slightly different format, So, but this is mine. So first up, I have a title page and on my title page, I have all the project details, including a list of contact details for those involved in the project and a versioning panel that shows the date of each version of the deck. I also have my branding on there, the client name, and in the footer, I have copyright Kate to copywriter because it's my document at this stage. It does not belong to the client. And we're going to talk about when we hand over the document and when it belongs to the client later on in the episode. So that's my title page. Then I have my contents page, which is a simple table of contents, uh, which lets the users quickly jump to the relevant piece of content. You know, your standard uh, table of contents. Makes sense? Yeah. Um, so then I have my copy format guidelines. I like tone of voice guidelines that sit at the start of all my templates that I use. And mine are quite extensive and they cover things like how should the brand be referred to? Can it be abbreviated? Are we going to use full stops at the end of headlines and subheaders? Should we be using title case, sentence case for the navigation and other elements? How should bold, italics and underline be used in the copy? You know, how are we going to use price? All that kind of stuff. And then after my copy format guidelines, I have tone guidelines. So this has been taken from the brief. How should the copy sound? Should it be chatty, authoritative, formal, confident? Now, I also have a whole separate tone of voice template that you can get from the shop. That's a huge beast that you would probably charge a client separately for. In fact, it's a great little thing that you can sell to a client and say, let's get the tone of voice guidelines done before we start the copy copy deck. Um, we can talk about that. I think we've talked about that in a previous episode. Maybe, maybe we haven't, maybe we will. Um, then I might include uh, some SEO keyword phrases, usually on the individual pages. So whether I've done the keyword research myself or the client has provided them, what keywords are we going to use for each page within the copy deck? Um, if we are, if I've written a tagline, again, that would be a separate piece of work for me. I might have uh, my tagline in there. And then I start off with what I call common elements. So before I get to the pages, I detail out what's going to be in the header of the website. So we're talking about a website. What's going to be in the navigation? What's going to be in the footer? What's going to be in the sidebar? Anything that's common to all the pages, anything that's going to be repeated. I write it all out once and that means that's set and the client knows that on every page of the site, the footer is going to look like this. 
Then I move into the individual pages. So, you know, first page, home page. What is on the home page? And I'm in my copy deck template, I kind of list out this is the title tag, this is the meta description, this is the breadcrumb, this is the a word count, this is the headline, this is the subheader, this is the intro, this is the every single thing is broken down, this is a video, this is an image, blah, 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 blah. And I would talk a little bit more about explaining it to the client, but I annotate as well. So I use Word and I have comments in the sidebar going, hey client, this is your headline. I made it like this because I thought it was going to sound really groovy. I hope you like it and things like that. So that's pretty much it. And I have a page for each page within the site. I have my search results page. I have like my contact thank you page. Every page that is going to be on the site, I have a page for it. Of course, if the client's paying for all those pages. So that's mine. Belinda, how does yours work? Mine is pretty similar actually, except, and I'll probably just really highlight the differences. Mm. Mine's Mine hasn't got as much stuff. So I have um, a title page as well where I'm uh, summarizing the project name, um, the contact detail. Um, I have I have an introduction kind of letter and this is where my copy deck and my proposal document kind of look quite similar. So I have a little introduction letter. It says, thanks for the opportunity to present this copy deck to you. I wanted to run through some of the things that we talked about um, that cover the scope of the project. And I might mention some of the key objectives. You mentioned that you want you wanted the copy to be blah, 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 blah. Um, you highlighted that you wanted the copy to have this tone of voice to match your brand personality words of these. So I kind of do a... I really, I really like that because it's not something that I've done. And what I like about it is that often those two documents can be created quite a distance from each other in time or often the proposal's forgotten. So they're like, come to the copy deck and they're like, it's almost like you're kind of, you know, when you're about to watch series two of, of Westworld and at the beginning they give you a little rerun of this what you what agreed. Happened. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like, this is what you told me to do just before I, you look at it. Remember, you told me to do this, this and this. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And it's just reminding them what they told you to do and it's kind of showing off your expertise. Like, I have totally got this. <laughs> this is what you asked me to do and this is what I'm going to do. And I kind of recap on the scope. This is what we're going to be looking at together Yeah. as long as it's not like 20 million pages. Um, then on my second page, I have a little about me blurb. Again, I just take it from it's all about you. <laughs> it is just a reminder. This is why I'm awesome. And this is why you chose me. Um, and it's not too much, but it's just to kind of remind people of who I am. Cause as we said in the intro come, sometimes the copy deck gets passed around to people. That's they don't know who I am. So it's just, I recap on all those kinds of things. Um, and then I don't have the things like um, the formatting guidelines yeah. and things like that. So that's where our our copy deck really differs. Um, one thing I do have then is the page. Um, before I go into the page detail, I have some revision suggestions. This is how I, you know, things to look at. And I'm like, is there any information that's incorrect? Is there any phrasing that you're not comfortable with? Does the tone of voice match your brand personality? And the reason I put these in is because people come back with this, you got the comma in the wrong place. And I'm like, that is not what you should be looking at in version one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of my revision um, suggestions as well is, um, uh, 
here's a reminder that proofreading is going to happen on the final draft. Yeah. So please forgive any typos for now. And we talked about that in our very excellent um, episode on proofreading. And then I cover what happens next. Yeah. So here's some tips on the revising. And then once you have a look at the copy, here's what you need to do. So the first two pages are an introduction, a bit of a process explanation and some tips on revisions. And then I get into the copy, the copy page itself. Page page, yeah. Yeah. And then for each page, I have the project name, contact name, the version number and a date. Then I have the copy and that's, then I have a section with links. So I have all the links highlighted underlined in the copy but then I have a separate little table saying this is the link and this is where it goes to and we've talked about this before but if you can make it easy for developers to put your copy into a website they will love you for it and that's how you get good work from developers is putting your h1 tags labeled labeling your h2 tags putting your meta descriptions in and highlighting links and where they go to yeah and then I wrap up all gone Oh no no you yeah I thought you I thought you were, I thought you had wrapped up you got oh, not done not done there's yet more. people there's more then I wrap up with a reminder of this is what you need to do next you know and I might um, go into it a bit more detail it's just basically recapping on on the process interesting so I put all that stuff about what to look for and the process in the email that the copy deck comes with so mm-hmm. I keep that separate um, and I don't have a what next bit. I do my links contextually, you know, so I do control K, the link is underlined and click it and it takes you where you need to go. Um, what if, what if the page hasn't been created yet? If the like page hasn't been created your... yet, I do brackets link to page 1.2. So all my pages are numbered because usually I'll provide a site map um, or a site architecture with it. So, you know, homepage is 0.0, about pages nice. one, sub pages of about, uh, we should do an episode on site mapping at some point and I'll take you through my information architecture process so yeah Yeah. I just do that so you know link to 1.7 link to 2.2 in brackets so yeah different different ways and I think probably the combination of the two would would be splendid Um, but I think it's very important to say that you know if you are on Belinda's course or you've downloaded my template you should really try and make the copy deck your own um, Absolutely. And, you know, obviously you're going to brand it and you're going to change that, but add your own little touches, um, make it your own little thing. And then, and then that's, that's your baby that you've created. So the next question is with you as well. Um, I'm going to ask you it. Uh, how do you create your website copy deck? Do you do it in Word or Google Docs or? I what? do it in Word. Um, I, for a little while, I did things in Google Docs. And what I found was some of my formatting elements People would get the Google Docs and it was, I don't know, Google Drive just wasn't really as popular, I think, or well used as it is now. And people would try and open the document in Word and the formatting would just be like vomit on the page. So I started, I do mine in Word because a lot of people use Word and I can kind of control how it looks or at least be a bit more confident that when they open it, it's how I think it's going to look. Yeah, I'm the same. I use Word. Um, I know that Glenn Murray, who's a good friend of the show, is a big fan of Google Docs. And I have got a bit more into it. And I'll add a link to the show notes for a little document where I show you how to, um, you know, version in Google Docs and save all the stuff. Mm -hmm. But I agree. Like, I just don't feel... 
I know that I have, but I don't feel like I'm at the same level of control with Google Docs. Like it feels like because it's yeah. in the cloud, people can mess about with it. And I agree, you know, the downloading, the turning it into a PDF, the turning it into a Word document never looks quite the same. So, you know, some people have accused me of being a bit old school with, with the Word templates. But the thing is, most clients, you know, unless you are working with a cutting edge agency, I find a lot of clients are a bit iffy about Google Docs. They just don't trust it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, do you find that too? Exactly like, it's yeah. a, it just I mean, feels, it's not new, but it yeah, feels it's new and it, you know. And the other thing we didn't mention is um, like when I have my revision notes, I have a please track all changes yeah. using track changes. And here is a link to a tutorial yeah. on how to use track changes. For the love of God, please use track changes. Yeah, do not print it out and write it in red pen and post it to me. Yeah. No. And obviously you can, you, can, take you, can, you can track changes with, with, with Google and you can add comments, but it, it's, you know, you go into edit mode rather than view mode, but it's just, I find it a bit more clunky and I find the kind of accepting of changes and rejecting of changes much more clunky, but I guess it's just what you're used to, yeah. um, you know. And what your clients are used to as well. Your, if your clients are happy with it. That's the more important thing, I think, because we're already making them do something they don't want to do. We're already trying to make them understand something that they can't quite get their head around. You know, the reason they've approached you is, A, they don't know how to write copy, but they don't really get things like copied X and stuff like that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So, you know, I think that's such an important point, just because you really love Google Docs. It's like sometimes you have to be like, what does, what's going to be easier for the client? So yeah. Sometimes we have to think about the client. <sighs> so the next question I get asked a lot is, should you include layout? So I see a lot of people almost trying to sort of like mock up the page in Word, which is a whole world of pain. If you've ever tried to use tables and add images and stuff into Word, it's literally you'll be on the gin within half an hour because everything goes out of whack and the image is wrong and things. So both Belinda and I do include layout suggestions. But what we mean by that is what Belinda just touched on. Like, this is a H1. This is a H2. This is where a video will go. And like, for example, if I'm going to have two columns, yes, I'll create a little mini table and put the content in two columns. If I'm going to have a grid of icons, I might do like a little eight four by four grid and put them in. Um, but I'll also handle a lot in the comments. So sometimes I'll, you know, say, it'd be great if this designer, it'd be great if this could look like this. And then in the comment, I will take a screenshot of the image of the page that I like and pop it into the comments. Yeah. But the yeah. thing is, all I'm doing with that is trying to provide a few hints and tips because a copy deck is not a wireframe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not a wireframe. Wireframes are a separate thing. So one of the things I talk about a lot in my community is being very distinct about what you're providing. A copy deck is a the bespoke piece of work. It's not keyword research. That's separate. It's not a tone of voice document. That's separate. It's not a sitemap. That's separate. It's not a wireframe. All those separate things are things you can charge your client for. You know, I don't get all of those just as a given. You can say, yeah. hey, it's two ninety nine. So I think that makes it clearer. Now, again, I know some people well, actually, again, Glenn Murray, he's a big fan of OmniGaffle and I am too. It's a very popular wireframing tool. He actually writes his copy straight into the wireframe um, and presents it in the wireframe. No, there's no copy wow. deck. They just get wireframes. Again, I'd like to do, I, I think that's great because you're literally seeing the page. But for me, and Glenn and I have argued about this many times, I really feel that 
copywriting is a collaborative process and being able to have lots, word is easier to edit, let's be clear, and, and kind of separating form from function at the early stages and getting the words right and then deciding kind of how the words are going to sit on the page. I think they're kind of slightly different steps. I really do. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, for me, I'm, I, I can't, I'm not a website designer. I don't like, I know Glenn has that as part yeah. of what he does yeah. and that I do not, I am not a designer. I can't visualize the website. Yeah. If, already created yes I can work with that but you know for me to create a wireframe I would spend more time trying to do that and it kind of shoehorns the, the designer out of the picture a little it, bit it or I mean I think I think you've it. got you've got to know your you limitate. I mean, I I built I built all my own sites I'm, I'm an, I did a lot of IA when I was at Ogilvy so information architecture so I am very visual like as I'm writing it I'm seeing it on the page and that's helping me make decisions yes it it does cut the designer out of it a little bit. These days, I sort of think with websites, design is, is almost less, there's less of a role because you go straight to your developer and they're using a template like Divi or, yeah, you know, right drag and drop. And, you know, they're coloring in basically. Sorry, I'm no disrespect to any designers because yeah, I think the designers you. play a valuable role. But I think with website design, it is, they've kind of been almost edged out. So that's a really important point as well. Who is on the team? Like often the clients I'm working with, they don't have a web, de a web developer or designer. They are going to be taking this copy and putting it in the website themselves. So the more direction I can give them, the better. Mm. But if I was working with an agency who's got a design team, while I might make a few suggestions about this, this and that, I know full well they're going to completely ignore them because they've got designers and that's their job. Um, yeah. Again, it depends what you're being paid for. If I've been paid for the IA, if I'm being paid to do the wireframes, I'll have at it. But if I'm not being paid for that, I might give you a few tips, but I'm not going to give you, it's, I'm going to give you some value adds, but I'm not going to give away my value. Do you know what I mean? That was yeah, a great, absolutely. that's the meme. Surely that's the meme. That's exactly the meme. <laughs> I mean, one thing I'll do is like with the, with the tagging is I might have things like, um, this would be great as a highlight window. Yes. Yeah. This needs to stand out from the page in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, I emphasize to... this. Yeah. Emphasize this. You know, blah, 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 blah. And then the designer knows that it's important, but doesn't feel kind of shoehorned. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Another thing that I put in um, that I didn't mention, because when I have page by page, I have a little section on notes as well. And um, that's when I kind of say I might do a for this page. You mentioned it was important to blah, blah, blah. So what I've done is I've used words like this word and that word because that really ties in with your tone of voice and being authoritative. So I, I try and choose moments where I'm trying to explain the choices I've made, not only because it makes me look like I know what I'm doing, which I totally do, by the way, um, <laughs> but it's it's a way of um, reducing the second guessing during the re revision cycle. I love that. And that segues perfect into the next question, which is how to take, to a, take client a client through, through it. it. So you've got, an, you, you, you said you were discussing this in your group the other day, I think. Yes, it was actually, in a, it, was, it wasn't in my group, but it was in another Facebook group. And it was, um, someone said, what's a copy deck? And this, this conversation sprang forth on what a copy deck was. And someone popped in and said, you should talk your client through your copy deck. And I went, I agree mentally. They then went on to say, you should read your copy aloud to the client so they have an idea of how it should hear. And that's when I went, mm -mm, totally disagree with that. Because mm -hmm. if you've written 
a 50-page website, the last thing you or your client wants to do is listen to every word being read out. Now, if you have an ad or a flyer, sure. But at the same point, when the client's customers are reading the copy, no one's reading it aloud to them. It has to be, people have to be able to read it in their own heads and have it make sense. That's such a good point because, like, yeah, it's not like you're going to have audio on your website reading it all out. It does depend if you've got a beautiful, velvety voice. Oh. Maybe they might enjoy having their copy read to them. And, Maybe. And Maybe. Otherwise, not. it's just me going, nice. Well, here's your copy. It's pretty grass. <laughs> I'll write this on page one. I like it. Um, <laughs> that's how you sound to me. You don't really. <laughs> I'm so mean. Um but the tip that I always give, and Belinda said I was allowed to give this tip, is that I make a little <laughs> loom, loom video. Uh, this so is you the might best have, tip, listeners. It's the such a good tip. It's my number. It's the only tip I've got. Let's be honest. I'm out. <laughs> I'm all out after this one. It's my part. It's my one joke. Do you want to know what my best joke is? By the way, mm-hmm. what do you call an Italian with a rubber toe? <laughs> what? Roberto. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's a good joke. It's good to have that because like when things go wrong at like events and stuff, I'm always capable of jumping on stage and giving that joke. And, you know, people people respect it. Anyway, my tip was Loom, L-O-O-M. Mm-hmm. It's a free app that you install in your browser bar on Chrome. And what you do is you just... It, you can record your screen and your audio. You can also, if you want to, record your little head in a circle at the bottom. But if you're looking ugly, just turn that off. You don't have to have that. And you literally, what I do is when I send the copy deck to the client with my email, with, with the bits that Belinda has in her deck, find it in the email, say, hey, Sue, here's your copy deck. This is what we need to look out for. Here's some things to think about. It's not proofread. Get over it. Um, yep. Here's the deck. And also, because I love you, I made you a personalized video to just explain this copy deck to you. It takes me about five minutes, but what a nice personal touch. So I will say yep. something like, here's the deck. This is the index page. These are your tone of voice guidelines. Some things to think about here are this, this, and this. Okay, here are the common elements. This is what's going to be in your header. I did your navigation like this, because, and basically, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Don't read out every word. Just give them some pointers. And the feedback on that has been great. Because also, what it allows them to do is watch that video in their own time, then go through the copy deck in their own time. If you're going to have to make an appointment to talk them through it, that's a whole level of pain. Oh, um, God, yeah. You know, but they can then watch that in the bath later and, and enjoy that, you know, or wherever they are. Um, I've, I've, lots of people read my copy in the bath, Belinda. I don't know why you're laughing. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's a, that's, a top, that's the top tune tip. It doesn't get better than that. There you go. Well, and the, I think the other reason that is genius is your copy deck is a little complicated. Yeah, mine's, to- it, it is complicated, and I'm, what I'm actually doing is selling that complexity as a, as a selling point, and yeah. also selling my copy. Because you know, if you read a line of copy, and you're like, "This is a line of copy." Whereas if you have the, copy, the copywriter go, "Hey, so this headline, I debated for a couple of hours, came up with five or six different options. I know you wanted this, but it didn't kind of work. So this is what I went for. I think it works because of this, this, and this." Well, I've just mm. sold them that copy. Uh, something that DP Knuton said in the last. Uh, uh, episode uh, that we did with him, the interview with him was uh, copy is not bought, copy is sold. So, you know, sending the copy deck, yeah, they've paid half the invoice, but they are not sold yet and you still need them to pay the other half of the invoice. So you need to, yeah. you need to present your copy, not only professionally, which is what the copy deck is all about. Like people will say when they get the copy deck, wow, this looks awesome. And I've seen other copywriters, like it's like an ugly Times New Roman 
clump of copy in a one, not even 1.5 spacing, Belinda. Can you believe it? Oh, that would have floored you, Kate. She just white. She went white then with the horror <laughs> it would have done. Uh, so, you know, it looks professional, but that's not enough. You need to sell it as well to the client. So that's where the loom thing is really great. So there you go. I remember when I used to, when I very first started out as a copywriter, um, I showed a mentor my the copy that I'd handed over. And I remember her saying, is this it? <laughs> <laughs> I yes. get that all the time. I get um, that. But yeah, there was no branding. No. It was just the copy. Yeah. There was no project name. There no. was no version number. Not even. I bet there were no page numbers at the bottom of the no. page. No. There's no. nothing. I just no. had the copy on the page. I bet um, it was Times New Roman, wasn't it? Was it Times oh, New Roman? Don't, don't offend me. With uh, that. What are you, an aerial girl or a Helvetica? I like Calibri. Oh, you weirdo. That's <laughs> fun. I'm a but the point I'm is. <laughs> We've got a whole other episode on fonts. Um, <laughs> but she's she's basically said, what if this gets separated? What if this gets passed around? This document has nothing that tells me what it is mm. and what it's about and who it belongs to and who who wrote it. Yeah. I was like, well, that's a really good point. I know. It's, it, it seems such basic stuff when you're kind of a couple of years in, but when you're first starting out, people don't know. And that's why this copy deck is for sale in the Clever Copywriting School. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Okay, so how many, we've had this discussion before, I think, or we've argued about it. So I think we arm wrestled about it. How many versions of the copy deck do you produce? I have two rounds of revisions with each project. So that means three versions of the copy deck. And if I'm, if the third version has had revisions ap- re- applied, I usually wait to, to make sure they're okay before I go and get it proofread. Um, but I like to get projects happening so that by the time I'm creating the, the third version, it is the final version and that's the proofread version. So three, sometimes a fourth version if that's the professional proofreading version. Okay, so you? I, I have, have an extra one. I have a secret sneaky baby one. I, have a, <laughs> I do four. So I start off with what I call my skeleton deck, which is the bare bones of the copy. So it would be everything that we talked about in that uh, outline as, as well. So the tone of voice guidelines, a page for each page. Maybe I'd pop the keywords in. Maybe I'd take the notes that I've taken from the brief and the discussion and put them in bulleted lists on the page, not written out, just some notes. Um, I would highlight any gaps. And I would probably write like maybe a 200 word sample. So usually something from the homepage or the about page. And then I send that to the client and say, hey, look, this, this is what I'm working with. This is everything I got. This is my notes. This is the tone of voice we've agreed. Here's a little snippet of copy. Here's the keywords. This is missing. I, there's, not, there's not very much for page seven, but there's an awful lot for page eight. Do you really want to say all of that? And this serves a two point Two purposes, yeah, really important. Number one, it gives the client an opportunity to get their facts straight before I start writing because it's much mm-hmm. harder to edit a fully written line of copy than a bullet point, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it puts the ball back in their court, which for me when I'm very busy is very important. It can take me only like a couple of hours to put together a skeleton deck, send that to the client. I've given myself 24 hours, 48 hours to work on my other client, other stuff. So... It's, and also I feel it makes it much more collaborative. Then I have my first deck, first draft. I'd say that's 60% of the way there. Then my second third, second draft, so skeleton first, second, which would be about 80 to 90% there. And then I'm the same with you. The last draft is really dotting I's, crossing T's and proofreading. So four. Yeah. 
Absolutely. When do you hand over copyright? When does that copy deck become the client's copy deck? And you take your little copyright symbol off the bottom and you put the client, it belongs to the client. When they pay their invoice. Like it. Or when we hit approval, whichever happens first. Yeah. Um, But when they pay that, like if they pay their invoice first, but we're still finalizing revisions, then obviously it's when we finish. Yeah. Um, But they don't own nothing until they pay for it. Definitely true. And I also have uh, another little template in the shop. And I think you have one similar on your course, which is a final approval document that literally legally hands over the copyright to them and says, you know, this is what we agreed. This is what you got. It's now yours. By the way, will you give me a testimonial? Here's what I wrote that you might want to use. So I do that as well. And that final document is kind of like done deal because you can sometimes get clients who two months later will come back and say, can you just make one little amend? Can you just make this one little change? Um, and if you don't have that final document saying we're done, it can you can feel almost like, oh God, I should just do it. But all those little tiny changes add up to being another job that you can't do because you're too busy doing little stupid changes on the last week. Yes, you need closure. You need this closure. So look, there's obviously a lot more we could say about copy decks, I'm sure. Um, if you have more questions about copy decks that you would like us to cover off, then of course you can head to our page on Facebook and leave them there or go to the blog and leave them there. But I think that's a wrap, Belinda Weaver. Yeah, I think we've covered it. And you know what? You know, if you started this episode going, a copy what? What are they even talking about? Don't be embarrassed. This, these are questions we get all the time because, quite frankly, copy deck is jargon. Yeah. Um, us copywriters use it all the time. It makes us sound clever. Um, <laughs> but now you know. You now you know. You, now know. you know what it is. And uh, we'll include links to uh, Belinda's written a great article about copy decks. I've written a couple as well and the template and various other bits in the show notes for this blog. But as regular listeners will know, this is a time we read out a review of the show. And today we're giving a shout out to Sarah Content from Australia. Maybe Sarah Content from Australia? Sarah Content. Sarah, thank you. Working as a copywriter from home can be a lonely endeavor, but listening to hot copy makes me feel inspired. It lights my fire, like what she did there, and gives me the confidence to keep on showing up, keep them coming. Thank you, Sarah. And keep the reviews coming. Keep the reviews coming, people. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, please uh, don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. Your review will help others find us, make me and Belinda smile, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. And as I mentioned earlier, you can head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments and questions on the blog post and find all those useful links. So thanks very much, Belinda, my fellow ginger. Thank you very much, Kate. Welcome to the club. Yay! Happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. I introduced fairy bread to American kids. Blew their mind. But really, it's margarine with shit on it, isn't it? It's sugar on bread with butter. 
Oh, mind blown! Yeah, I'll let you welcome everyone. I'm you not a fan. Welcome. I'm not. I'm going to put it out there. I'm not a fan. What? I know. Do you have citizenship? They're going to take it away now, aren't they? Possibly. Oh my That's god! Very un-Australian. It is un-Australian. Don't tell anyone. We'll have to edit this out. <laughs>